Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the official first episode of the Teachers Podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Mitch Hudson from Grammasaurus, and we actually went live on Facebook for the first part of it. Mitch and I have been in digital contact for a while now, but it was the first time that we met in person, and honestly, it was a huge privilege. If I were in a school right now, I'd want to be in Mitch's school. In the interview, Mitch shares a story of how he came to help thousands of teachers and their pupils by accident after the new grammar curriculum landed and he just happened to know what on earth it was on about when nobody else did. I was just so utterly inspired by him. His passion isn't grammar. It's to help teachers teach it to ultimately give their children the best start in life. It's a really admirable cause. He's had a seven-year career so far which has included being an NQT, an SLE, a key stage manager, an assistant head, and being acting deputy. And in the midst of all that, starting a business to help thousands of teachers by accident. I'm going to get to the interview now, as Mitch has so much to share, and I really hope you enjoy and take away some inspirational ideas to implement in your school. So we've talked about this uh, interview for quite a number of days now. We have indeed. So we're actually live on Classroom Secrets and Grammasaurus. Exciting. Yeah, we're also filming the podcast, which is going to be on YouTube on Thursday, and we're recording the podcast as well. So multitasking we are, yeah, and Edward's definitely. on his own back there wow. doing it all. Um, but I'm so I'm so excited to to have Mitch as the first official guest. So I have had a bit of practice because I wanted a bit of practice before I did the first one live. <laughs> um, okay, right then, shall we start? Okay, for it. Are you nervous? I am, and I'm so used to doing these videos, but I'm actually nervous. It's the lights it's put me off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we've got we've got fancy lights. Fancy lights. Yeah. The washing is out a bit, really. Can't really see anything, but yeah. we're going for it when we're close to it. So <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be good. Right. So I know that a lot of people will know about you anyway. Um, so you're not new to um, the teaching community. But, like, we've had quite a good conversation, um, you know, we've been talking for quite a while, and I just thought it'd be really interesting for people to actually know your, your story in its entirety, because we kind of, like, get these snippets, but yeah. maybe not the whole thing. So, can you tell us, like, your whole career life story, like, how you got into teaching and your journey through it? Because I think it's interesting, but also really inspiring, and yeah. I think it'd be oh, really nice. Thank you. Okay, so it's weird actually, because it's quite a long story and I've only been teaching for seven years. Um, I started teaching in 2012 in a school that was satisfactory in um, West Bromwich. I went there from my university in Lincoln and I wanted to go back home because I wanted to give something back to where I'm from, which is the West Midlands, big up the West Midlands. And um, so I went there and I found a school that I genuinely fell in love with. It was just so inspiring. And the head teacher there, he just made me feel like, wow, like if you are on this journey, I want to be part of it. And I think that's really important. And um, I applied to it. I was up against 
this was back in the day when a lot of people used to apply to jobs mm. and you'd be up against like you know 30 40 people at once and i managed to get the job and i was absolutely over the moon i remember crying on the phone and saying thank you i won't let you down and um i started teaching in that school in year five and it was one form entry at that point and it was satisfactory uh we got offset within the first three weeks of me oh, being gosh. there and i remember sitting in the staff room and him rushing in saying um I've said I've just phoned, you need to go and get yourself ready. And I was like, oh, hilarious. I was like, he was like, no, I'm being serious. I was like, oh, and obviously this was all new to me. And this was quite a long, uh, long time ago, really, when it comes to Ofsted in 2012. And I remember they only came and watched a little bit of a science lesson, but they didn't really do much and they didn't really ask anything other than that because I was an NQT. But we managed to get good and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Really enjoyed being there. And um, I stayed there for that that first year in year five and then the next year I really wanted year six but it was like you're not ready yet just do another year in year five so I had my next class in year five again absolutely loved that class uh, and I got a TLR in my second year uh, and that was for drama and art because I was quite the the performer I liked doing assemblies I liked doing all sorts of plays and things like that. That's amazing because lots of people don't get a TLR now for English or maths. Yeah, I know. So drama and well art. Done you. Oh, and EAL, we had uh, language development because it was a high EAL school as well. Mm -hmm. So really interesting like place to be in. St uh, carried on there again. And I was lucky enough to take my class into year six there. And they were the best kids ever. And we managed to secure then that year the best results the school had ever had so far. We got into the 90s for everything. And it was wow. just absolutely astounding because the school had never achieved that. It had been satisfactory for the longest time. Then it just got to good. So to get in the 90s, we were absolutely over the moon. And it really came from the leadership team, the head teacher's vision and just drive. He gave you the passion to really want to be there every day. Yeah, I yeah. genuinely loved going to work every day. And I would still be at that school now, but I, I knew I wanted more. He could see that I could do so much more. But in a school where everybody loves it so much, I think it's hard. Like people just don't leave. Yes, <laughs> Nobody would leave. Yes. And so I, I knew that if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, was, which was to be a head teacher, I wouldn't be able to do move up quick enough there and he he inspired me because he became a head i think when he was 36 maybe so i was like wow if only i could be half of you i'd be you know yeah. oh, so yeah. so happy yeah. so i then looked for another job and uh, i found one as a key stage two in english lead in talford and i remember going um down to the head teacher that day saying please can i um go and have a look at this school i mean it was absolutely good it was like I know that you're going to go far, so just go for it. So, and that's really, I, that, I think that's a really good leader yeah. thing that somebody could do as 100%. well. Recognize that you need to. He help. knew that I couldn't stay there, and he knew that for me, I was, I've always been so itching to want to be the very best and do the best that um, he knew that I had to just go and do that. So I went for the interview. Um, not as many people apply this time. This was, um, what would it be? Ready for September 2015. Uh, I was up against, I think, two or three others, and I, I got that job absolutely over the moon. And uh, because I was now in charge of, you know, the whole of Key Stage 2 and English, and that was a big deal for me. At this point, grammar was kind of a new thing, and you'd only just had the test, I think, for a few years. And to me, I wasn't that bothered about it all. Like, I was like, oh, grammar's, wet. you know, it just didn't bother me. And so I went to this school and it was, again, requires improvement. And that's why I went there. And um, their Ofsted inspection, they just had um, the section out where they come back and say, you still need to work on X, Y and Z, but things are getting better. And those things were writing and grammar. So I was like, oh, OK, I can get really stuck into this. So I took this job on 
and uh, teaching and learning there was okay, but it was, you know, the inspectors were completely right. For the new paper, they just released the sample paper for 2016. Mm. And because I'd done A-level German and I'd studied abroad and I'd taught English as a foreign language before I'd become a teacher in uh, Switzerland and in London at um, Discovery Summer Camp there, I had ideas of this stuff that just, you know, it wasn't normal talk for teachers to be on about the subjunctive form and things like this. So when that was in there, I was like, okay, I actually know these things. We need to start training the teachers upon this. And it was brand new content for them. It was brand new content for everybody, yeah. like talking about the past participle and the past perfect tense, things like this. But it's that's hard. so brilliant that you recognise that actually we need to train the teachers on that. Because yeah. I think in so many schools across the country, it was like, Oh, well, just, you know, you should know this. Yeah. Head teachers don't know it, but you yeah. should all know it the as well. The thing is, like, barely anyone knew it. And if you actually Googled resources for it, there were none online either. There was nothing really about at that very beginning because it was just so brand new. And people were going off this sample paper, to which we've never had questions like the sample paper. It's no. never been, I don't think, as hard as that ever was because I think they recognised how difficult it was. Um but yeah, I started doing lots of training there. And with my children, there was just so much for them to learn in such a short amount of time mm -hmm. that I created a YouTube channel where I purely went over kind of the subject knowledge kind of things and uploaded it just for my pupils to watch and for my teachers to watch. And I made some resources and kind of attached those as well to TES back in the day. Um, well, 2015, it seems like a lifetime ago now. So I put those on and then I started to realise that we were getting like, the one grammar test I did, which was the sample paper, but with different versions of the question, it had 10,000 downloads. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is seriously an epidemic. Like, people were panicking. Like, people were like, what yeah. on earth is the subjunctive form? How do I teach it? And my, my teachers felt the same, but they felt more prepared because we were talking about it. We were doing writing moderation, everything. And so then it got to the point where... Um, people started commenting saying, oh, could you share this? Could you share that? And it got to, it was so saturated with messages, my just Gmail account or whatever it was, that I just said, right, I'll make a Facebook page and you guys can kind of send messages on there and I can share resources that way because everything was free, just have it, whatever. How did it feel like helping those teachers who like, they just, they did look to you, didn't they? They were just yeah. like, like, please help me, Mitch. It, it was bizarre because for the longest time, I just felt like I was really new to the profession and I had so much to learn. And there's this one small thing that I knew because I'd done like my A-levels in German. That I was like, oh, I want to know what this is. I know what that is. And I just tried to make it a little bit more interesting than, because I remember being taught grammar, sorry, I touched that, <laughs> grammar at school. <laughs> and uh, in French and German, and I never understood what the teacher was on about. Yeah. Like when they used to write uh, new somme, vouavay, all of that stuff on the board. I was like, I don't know what you're going on about, but we'll just carry on. And that was the way it always was. And I didn't want grammar to be like that. There's no way our children are gonna learn grammar no, that way. No. So I was just trying to make it interesting. So these downloads kept happening. And then I was getting thousands of followers on Facebook saying, oh my God, yeah, look at this, look at this. People were sharing it like crazy. And it got to a point where um, I was making so many resources and things for free that I said, okay, why don't we trial? Do you know, I don't even know what came first. I don't know if the subscription came first or the training came first, but one of them did. I still can't remember. Um, but I booked a training day in Birmingham in September 2016 
I believe it was a Saturday. We've still not figured that one out. Yeah, yeah it must have been because I was teaching full time. So September 2016 and um, I had loads of people come. I think we had about 90 people. And my mum, bless her, took the day. Maybe she took the day off work. So maybe I was giving a day off to do it. That was yeah. really kind of my yeah. teacher thinking yeah, about. <laughs> um, and my mum came down and she did the um, kind of the meeting and greeting and stuff yeah, and yeah, booking yeah. more people. Yeah. And like we, I just had so many bookings from one day and I made, you know, what I'd made teaching, we made on that one day from just people making bookings because yeah, it yeah. was just crazy. And I had, I was in this catch 22 of, I absolutely loved the job I was in, absolutely loved the training because it was new. Yeah. I was like, what do I do? Um, so at this point, I'd been at this school for a while and standards were rising quite quickly. We had people coming in from um, Telford, other schools in Telford and Rickins come and have a look at how we were teaching yeah. grammar. And um, at the same time, I was going out to be a writing moderator in other schools as well. So I was getting to do things that I really enjoy, which is school to school to uh, support and supporting teachers on their journey to good. Um, so I was kind of doing that and being in school and this was kind of to start flare up at the same time. And it got to a point where I had to make a decision. And then Ofsted reared their head in July of 2016, oh, I feel, maybe. Yeah, it would make sense, 2016. One year had been there, nine months since I'd started. Mm -hmm. You've got to remember, we'd been RI for that reason. Yeah, yeah. And they came and it was the day of results for SATs. So it was a big day. And we got good with outstanding for leadership and management. And wow. everything they'd recognised as a weakness in terms of writing and grammar was now our main strength. And yeah. our results for grammar went to like 85% expected and something ridiculous like 40% greater depth. So it had gone from literally being yeah. the worst to the strength of the school. Just just listening to you now is like, you know, I'm, I, I know this anyway, but it's kind of like piecing it together. And, you know, you did that because you wanted to help your uh, teachers in your school you wanted to help the yeah, pupils and you wanted to make a difference but you kind of like made this movement yeah. to like kind of you know help the government really get into <laughs> a lot of the schools because they kind yeah. of you know talked about this to Heather McCavan yeah. where we kind of just said you know what they just went here's the 2014 yeah, curriculum get on with it, get on with it get and there's nothing totally. and people didn't know and you're kind of like the saviour wow I won't go that far <laughs> But I just remember like the writing moderation and everything we had to do that year. It was so strict. It, it was vile. That year, 2016, when I had to go into schools and say, well, sorry, I'm going to colons, mm. the below average. It was abs It was vile. Like It made people cry. People yeah. really, really got down on that. And the fact they've changed it just shows, again, the lack of preparation like yeah. you spoke about with Heather when it came to the new curriculum. And I suppose that what all I was trying to do was best prepare my pupils and my teachers yeah. for this new curriculum change and the new style of SATs. And that's where it came from. Grammasaurus really was some sort of random by part of it that just happened. I never planned for it to happen. Um, it, it just came then that people were asking me to do so many training days that I just had to decide at this crossroads where to go. And I dropped from the, at that point, they made me assistant head teacher at that school after those results because Which of the amazing. And, and, and amazing because is that like your fourth year of teaching? Uh, so in the, yeah, you, when you started your third year of teaching, you was key stage two manager. Yeah. And then second year, key, no, third year, key stage two, fourth year assistant head, second year TLR, first year NQT. It is crazy. I mean, you just like packed it all in. It's, it, it, it's it really impressive, though. Fast. You have, you must be really proud. Yeah, I am proud. And to be fair, but 
I couldn't have done that without the rest of the people in that school at the time. Like three people got made assistant heads, myself included. And the efforts they put into maths, um, the lady still working over as a deputy in Telford, she's had amazing impact there. And the early years lead who got assistant head is still there now. And she's still creating that same impact as it yeah. goes. So they've kept that school going and they've kept that authority going with their expertise there. Obviously, I decided on a different path and at that point decided to drop to originally four days, then three days to two and a half days. And the reason I dropped so quickly was because it was just getting out of hand in terms of the business. At one point, I remember going to courses and I was that tired. I was, I was like, right, I do four jobs. I'm assistant head. I run Gramsaurus. I, at this point too, was a specialist leader of education for a school in Warsaw, supporting another school in Warsaw. And then I'd sometimes go and support another school in Warsaw and some NQTs at another school. And I was literally driving here, there and everywhere. It was crazy. No time to prepare. No, not really. And I was just kind of on autopilot. And I just remember how miserable I got. It, uh, I remember one Thursday evening, I was sat there, the children had done a long ride, and I was trying to mark as quickly as I possibly could because I knew that at six o'clock I had to get in the car and go and feed my cats. Thank God I had cats, not a dog at that point. And then drive all the way to Middlesbrough, sleep in a Premier Inn. And then, it's Sunday and yes, close the shop. Why not? And, and then from then on, um, had to deliver training the next day. And the, the moment where I said, I need to stop doing this, because I did that for a year and a bit. And I I did loads of schools in Essex. That's I did loads time. of schools in the Northeast, the Northwest. I did training days alongside Rob Smith from Literacy Shed. We did, I did loads. And I just stopped because on the drive back from, I think, Manchester, uh, if it weren't for the cat's eyes in the road that, you know, when you drive over and it goes, duh, 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 duh. if it weren't for those, I would have died because yeah. I fell, honestly fell asleep driving 70 miles an hour down the road. And luckily it woke me up and then I pulled into, it might have been a Premier Inn actually, to sleep in the car park, not literally in the car park, in the car, in the car oh, park. Yeah. And sadly got 110 or 70, it was like 110 or a 70 pound ticket for parking there and oh, not getting a room. In? I know. Well, I thought I was going to have a half an hour nap and I ended up being there for about four and a half hours. Um, but that, that's how it became. And it literally yeah. engulfed my life uh, to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. So eventually from then on, I left the school in Telford and I moved to a school in Warsaw where I was a specialist leader of education. And um, I got the... So just tell us what a specialist leader of education is. Okay. So it's a teacher with a specific area of expertise uh, that goes in and just training with um, staff. So like a teaching school would uh, hire SLEs. You have to go and be interviewed there and stuff. And then they kind of, it's like a supply agency, the fact that they kind of say, oh, right, yeah. you're then going to go and support this school they in this thing. So they these schools get bids and things, like there'd be like a writing project or there'd be an NQT project. And part of that project, SLEs get assigned through that school's uh, extra money for being a teaching school to go and support this school yeah. so um i went to uh, a school just to do training had quite a few schools there and the deputy and head were interested in me staying on to do more work there uh, because it was still at this point i mean that, what's that 2016 it was still something that was really new it needed more work yeah, yeah so i stayed there and i worked with numerous schools um Thankfully, the ones I worked with, some wonderful teachers in the centre of Warsaw, their school went to good, um, absolutely fantastic teachers. And then I was sent to my current school on a two-day placement and 
I was meant to be there to support as an SLA. Now, an SLA should be doing training, should be observing, should be working with the staff and coaching and mentoring, doing things like that. That's not what I did when I went there. When I first went in, they said, IE6 teachers gone. Um, um, they've left, so please, could you fill in for them? So I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up becoming a class teacher there again and supported the, the staff there in trying to um, help turn the school around. And I haven't left because... I stayed being an SLE and I did my two days there and then I applied to the deputy head job there. Unfortunately, I didn't get it. That was in January 2017. Uh, but they wanted to keep me so badly that they, they created an assistant head role for me. Mm -hmm. Stayed there until now and then this January I was made acting deputy head teacher. And the transformation the school's been on since I've been there has just been phenomenal. Um, we've gone from where we were to having the best results the school's ever got uh, behaviour is just, it really is impeccable. The children are amazing and it's quite exciting times because I can see that we're really going to yeah. just shoot for the stars now. Thank so, you. yeah, we're here now. I've got two questions from that. Yeah, sure. So, first one is how do you, so you talk about it being more of a team effort. So, yeah. you know, but you're obviously a very instrumental part of it because it kind of follows you, doesn't it? Yeah. So, how do you inspire the rest of the staff to um, get those results? I think that whenever I go into any school, I just try and see things from their perspective first. I always think it's a bad idea to go in and start, you know, just saying, well, let's try this, let's try yeah, that. Yeah. I always go from the point of view of being a listening ear mm -hmm. to try and then maybe guide a little bit. Because at the end of the day, I, when I first went into the school, I was 26 and... I was going into school as an SLE being 26 and I was working with teachers who were much older than me. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, people think, what do you know? You're just yeah. coming in. You've just been teaching me this amount of time. And really, I, I didn't know all that much. I just had this very strange story that had propelled me somewhat. Um, but the the thing I love about doing everything that I do and that I've loved, loved about my entire journey is that it's always been about working with other people. Mm -hmm. And... I don't make it about me. Like I give so much. I'm if anybody else, I'm, I'm a workaholic beyond belief, and that's my choice, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm quite grey for a twenty-eight year old now, um, <laughs> but I absolutely love it, and I love getting someone to see their worth, maybe when they think it's gone. Yeah. And I've no, I've seen that in so many teachers that I've worked with who have then gone on to do other things. Um, NQTs I've worked with that are now middle leaders. My NQTs now that I know are just going to be fantastic middle leaders in the in the coming years. And that that's what's my biggest passion. And that's what I go in there for. I'm not there for myself. I'm not there for games. Like, I'm at the school I'm at because I wanted to help it. Not because someone said, come here and we'll give you this and come here and we'll give you that. Because that's not why I'm even a teacher. Like It's all about the kids. But... You, the kids, in a way, you can't get to them if the staff are so undervalued and yeah. demoralised. Yeah. And I think that with a lot of places I've gone to, it's just about hearing, he, literally hearing them, yeah. not listening to them, hearing them, and just making them believe that they've actually got that, yeah. something inside them that actually makes them be the best teacher possible. I just think what you're talking about is just so refreshing because... Yeah. You know, all the stories I hear about teaching from um, teachers that are coming in, because we have a lot of obviously ex-teachers and teachers across uh, Calderdale and mm. teachers that, that, we, that I know that I'm friends with. It's just, it's just not that story, is it? It's like, yeah, you yeah. know, the moment you get something that, you know, you didn't get a good lesson, it's like, right, okay, you know, you're having X, Y and Z Support and, and you feel like it's... Yeah. 
a way to get you out. And it's not a support thing. It's not coaching. No. And I just think that's lovely. And that's why it's yeah. working. Yeah. That's why it's working. 100%. I think that that's got to be at the heart of every single school. Like the school is about the staff, the parents and the children. Yeah. And I think sometimes a school will use the excuse of we're doing this because of the children and they actually then put that to the detriment of the staff. But yeah. sometimes the parents as well. The parents can be so alienated from a school because they're saying, well, we're doing this for the children. Yeah, yeah. But they don't forget that it's it's a community. Yeah. Like the school is a community and you can't look after one group within a community that's because it. the rest of the community will fall apart. And that's what I say with the Life Work Balance campaign as well. So somebody, the reason, one of the reasons why I started the Life Work, work Balance campaign, I was so annoyed, was because they were like, oh, I don't understand why you don't have children in your mission statement. And I was like... Because the staff are important too. Yeah. It's not all about the children. Yeah. Because if you don't look after the staff, then the children, they're not going to benefit from it. As if well. you look after the staff, they automatically will do the very best job. Because no teacher went into the job not to work with children. No, no. All the money. Or for the holidays. Well, because you don't get them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, so second question, uh, just based on your amazing story. So you went into lots of different schools. Like, are there any key things that that's taught you? You know, what has it been like? You know, have you seen lots of different things across the different schools? Uh, I've The journey I've been on has taught me how to be the leader I am today and to be who I am today with the children as well. I've seen a lot of staff uh, demoralised and not wanting to do the job anymore. And then the results aren't produced and then, you know, you just go into this vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. Schools get reputations, things like that. Um, every single school I've been in, there's always somebody that teaches you a lesson. Somebody, like, we don't get on with everybody. And I say this to my children all the time. They, I think they think that you only fall out when you're little. Like, no, we fall out with people all the time, but yeah. we just learn how to deal with it. Yeah. And all of the people that I've worked with who have been, at the time, who I saw as an obstacle or they weren't, on my side or they were against me actually do you know what they've taught me so much about myself and I thank those people possibly more than other people on the journey who just said yeah 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 carry on do what you're doing because actually you know you need people to keep you in check you need people to keep you on the ground you need people to disagree with you so that you are sure 100% about what you want to do is the right thing to do um so yeah there have been obstacles along the way but I'm happy for them because you know, it's about climbing that mountain. And if you had an easy uh, cable car to the top, you'd miss out on all of the bumps and rocks. And it you? wouldn't be worth doing, would it? No, because you'd look back on it and say, I live my life for this easy journey. But actually, yeah. I couldn't look back at saying everything I've done. I don't have any regrets. There are things that I should possibly regret sometimes, but I don't because it makes you who you are and it makes the people you've worked with who they are as well. Yeah, it's a great mindset that. I love that mindset. That's me as well. Yeah, um, that's Yes. So, um, so you've moved up through the ranks really quickly. Yes. Um, so we've already talked about that. And I just kind of wanted to get a picture of like, how did that go down? So, you know, <laughs> did you get any friction? Because obviously yeah. you could have had some teachers there that had been there a long time. And, you know, what what did that look like? The va- Honestly, I suppose you never know 100% because you don't know people's true feelings, but the vast majority of the people I've worked with have always been so forthcoming and so happy for me. And they've always said, you know what, you deserve this because I do work hard. And somebody who says that person's lazy or doesn't work hard, they really don't know me because that is one thing I know about myself. I work too hard, if anything. Yeah, yeah. And so people always see as if you work hard, you get results. 
people choose different things. I don't, I'm not going to have a family. That's my choice. I don't want to do that. I want to put everything into my work and that's what I want to be remembered for. And so people look at what you're doing and they say, well, do you know what? He's worked hard for that. He deserves it. Some people along the way, there's been one, honestly, one at every single school. But like I said, those are the people that I still think about to this day. And whenever I have to deliver something to uh, a CEO or a governor or anything, I always think about those people first and think, do you know what? They said I couldn't do it. I was told I was too young mm. for things. I've been told that I sing and dance too much. That was one of the first things I was ever told. Wow. You sing and dance too much in your lessons. Your children will never make progress doing that. Uh, I was told that. I've well, been you told, told them, didn't you? Yeah, just a bit. Um, <laughs> I've been told so many different things, but do you know what? That just encourages me to be myself even more. I'm, I'm quite unique, I suppose. Like, I don't think many people <laughs> have uh, had a lesson observation where they used Celine Dion as the, the main... We looked at Celine Dion's song during the lesson. I remember the head teacher saying, well, I've never seen a Celine Dion used to this day, but that was a very good lesson I've done. But <laughs> I just use what I think is inspiring at that moment. And if it yeah. inspires me, then it makes me deliver it in the yeah. best way. Yeah. And I'm never going to stop being that. I'm never going to start saying, well, we need to do this because this is what Ofsted say and this is what they say. Yeah. If it works, do it. If it doesn't work, get rid of it straight away because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not precious. We can't be precious about things. Thank you. Um, right, so I've been really excited to ask you about this question. Um, so, what does the word differentiation mean to you? Okay. And I also want to know, does it mean something different to you now? Because yeah. you know of all the, all the things about differentiation that it meant to you when you first started your career. A hundred percent. During that journey, I forgot to say, I was a Senko for a year. That was wow. a very interesting time. It taught me a lot. It was my biggest weakness, I thought, send, and I wanted it to be something I knew more about to be a head teacher eventually. So I took that on. Differentiation when I started is so different to what I believe it is now. I thought, but this was, I think, the way that you just see things being done. Like guided reading, all the children were sat at tables, you had six different books. Mm -hmm. You had to read that book the day before the lesson and you had like six random chapters. You were like, what were we doing this one? What were we doing that one? Mm -hmm. That is how it was kind of differentiated. Like we're doing a lower book with you guys. You're doing that other book. Yeah, Nothing's yeah. related. You guys over there doing handwriting. You're doing something that's not even linked to anything really. Yeah, yeah. And it was a mess and I hated it. But do you know what? That is one thing I'd say that I wasn't really prepared for going into being uh, a teacher. It was teaching reading. I didn't really have a clue. Mm -hmm. um, from that, the school invested a lot of CPD into whole school reading, uh, whole class reading. And that just changed my mindset totally on the fact that, you know what? The children are all measured on the same bar at the end of each yeah. year. They're all measured the same at the end of year two and year six. They're all measured the same at GCSE. So, yes, scaffold, but don't differentiate that much that it removes the opportunity from those children yeah, yeah. because I think people get stuck in a rut thinking this child's SEN they can't do that mm -hmm. I remember this um, this year I've got an SEN boy who is purely SEN for a medical reason and this boy has done like amazingly well and people have been like oh my gosh well done you've got this SEN child to get there I was like it's only for a visual reason it's nothing to do with because he hasn't got the cognitive ability. And people just label children so much to say, you can't do this. It, it doesn't matter. And I, I remember in my very first class, I had a girl who um, was on the autistic spectrum. And 
writing this is when I first got into really enjoying writing because she was brilliant at maths because it was very compartmentalized it's like this is always the way so I started looking at what Alan Pete was doing with box uh, and Pi Corbett with boxing up sentences and using like sentence structures Mm -hmm. and I kind of developed that a little bit more and put that into place with her and she achieved a level four in writing this is back in the day of levels it yes. seems like years ago um which shows that actually any child can achieve if you just remove the idea of their sen and actually i've got to just scaffold your learning personally that's why i'm not a fan of group tables but i'm not going to sit here and say don't do group tables because a lot of things go about saying well, you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that you do what works best for your children yeah. in your classroom i personally think that my year six is They've all got to be able to do the same thing. So I'm going to make sure that you all have the opportunity, but I'm going to just change things slightly to make it easier for you. Some children need further differentiation because they're not working at that year group level. Mm -hmm. It's not just they're off track a little. It's a lot. And that's where it's a different story. And when I first started teaching, I didn't even think of social, emotional, mental health as anything to do with differentiation. I thought it was purely, right, green group, you're doing this worksheet and this work for this long. You're doing this, I'm going to speak to you separately. And that's what I thought it was. And it's changed so dramatically. And I still think it's probably one of my biggest weaknesses and something I need to develop more. But as a teacher, we can't sit here. As soon as I say, I think I've got this 100%, I know that I need to leave the job because you can never say that. We're always evolving with it. So, yeah, differentiation, I'd say it's, it's a huge change and it's changed my mindset greatly. Thank you. Right, the last the last one I'm going to ask you now on the live. Oh, um, because okay for watching? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Hello. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, we'll, and then should we go through the questions? Should we see if there's any questions? Yeah, Before sure. we finish the live. So, last question I'm going to ask you then um, for the podcast. Um Yes. So what's the hardest grammar concept to teach, in your opinion, and what are your tips for delivering it? Okay, so I can break this down into two sections. Number one is the hardest piece of grammar that's actually worthwhile and that we need to know in life because it will take us far. And there's a piece of grammar that I think is just a waste of time and we do it just because it's on a test. And it's got to the point where I don't really even bother going over it anymore because, you know what, there are so many other things I'd rather my children know with so little time mm-hmm. that I just kind of skip over it sometimes. Uh, so the bit that I think the children need to know more than anything is using apostrophes for possession correctly. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a difficult concept. Um, we're one of the only languages in the world that has it. I don't know if we're the only one. But, um, for instance, in all of the languages, they have different cases. Like in German, they have the genitive case. So they would say the handbag of the ladies rather than the ladies' handbag. Right. So um, the apostrophe is called the Saxon genitive. So we can blame the Saxons when they invaded for this even coming to us to start with. And basically, it's just the concept of you've got the noun and the belonging and then it's which belongs to which, and do you yeah. put the apostrophe in the thing it belongs to, or this one, yeah. and is it an S and not an S, but what about if it already ends with an S, like James, and then it just gets so confusing, and it, I think it's just such a difficult thing, and yet it's so important, because if we see people who don't use um, apostrophes correctly, we automatically kind of judge them as, oh, they don't know this, they're, they're not very well educated, yet it's such a complicated thing to learn, and to just grasp, it's like, why do we do this? Like, no one else does. It's just us being strange. And I think that the government 
now the fact they're removing it from street signs, they remove it from a lot of packaging. It's not used very often. And then we say to the children, but you've got to include it. Yeah. And I think that's why, horrible. Why do you not know where it is? But yeah. you haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. It's not in my street name. It's not on that sign over there. Yeah. Because they take it out to not confuse people. Yeah. I remember seeing an article about that. Um, so I'd say that's the most difficult thing to uh, teach. Now, uh, what are my tips to teach it? It would be to go to the the German route of it, which is to teach it lower down as the handbag of the lady, the trunk of the elephant, the bowl of the cat. They don't understand the concept of what they're actually writing about. Mm -hmm. So when you say, oh, it's a possessive, it belongs to them. It's like, well, what do you mean it belongs to? I don't think they understand that sometimes. So it's going back even further and almost looking at the place value of that structure that's where it comes from, this is why we do it, and then slowly build it up. Because it's only in year two, you have to use it with a singular noun, and then it's three onwards, you have to use it with plural. So if you start that, start it lower with the trunk of the elephant in year one, year two, then slowly build it up, I think it's So do you mean like, so when you're gonna um, say, I don't know, the cat's tail, yeah. you say the tail of the cat yeah. every time, a bit like when you have it and you say it is, yeah. if it doesn't make sense as it is, then it's not an apostrophe. Yeah. That kind of like that thing of you always say it just to see yeah, if it works. Yeah, basically, it's kind of a trick to get back in there. But then it confuses things when the children then have learnt that, like my year sixes have, and then they write, um, they were writing something about Ursula and they called her an it and they put its uh, tentacles did this, but they put an apostrophe and said, yeah, because the tentacles belong to it. And I was like, yeah, but this is the only time <laughs> when that doesn't apply yeah. and you have to get rid of it. And that is just so confusing. Yeah. Like, Whoever invented that is just cruel. Um, so the apostrophe for, for possession is definitely one that I think that is really important and it's hardest to teach. Uh, if you find some magical way to do it and it's foolproof, go and tell the world because they'll make a lot of money yeah, yeah. because this is the same across the world. Um, and then the one where it isn't as important, I would say, is the subjunctive form. Um, it, Which we've had, already had a conversation about that. I'm just like... Phew. It's, it's just so bizarre and it's just so unnecessary. I speak with it now because I feel like I have to. And when I do, people look at me like, have you just used bad grammar there? Because that's one thing with my history. Every single teacher that works with me, anything I say, someone's like, oh, that was bad grammar. Like, is that right? I'm like, and you get so self-conscious. I've probably said something wrong on here. It doesn't mean that I've I, got perfect grammar. I'm from Yorkshire and I just talk <laughs> yeah. as it is. Just go for and it. And then when I write, Try and make it better. Yeah. yeah. But so I'll sit there and I'll be like, well, if I were to uh, do this, I'm like, if I were, isn't it? If I was, I'm like, no, it should be if I were. But we don't use that structure. It's very archaic. It's very Victorian. Uh, it's in a lot of songs sometimes, but then at the same time, people use it incorrectly in songs. So I've got a video on YouTube where it goes through where it's been used correctly, like Beyonce, If I Were a Boy, that is oh, correct. Right, yeah. But then there's loads of different songs like Megan Trainer, and I love this, great story. I just started at that school in Telford and it, was got, it got to the end of the year for SATs and the children were so good at grammar, like we'd done it with all the songs, everything constantly. And... Um, they ran in the, a few days before Sats and said, Mr. Hudson, have you heard the song on the radio? I was like, no. They said, Megan Trainer, uh, me too. They were like, listen to it. She uses the subjunctive form incorrectly. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's have a listen. And, it, and she does. She goes, if I was you, I'd want to be me too. So she says, if I was you. Yeah. So again, for the children, that's confusing because 
Megan Trainor to them is a huge yeah. deal and oh, she's yeah. doing it incorrectly and they will learn it that way because you look up to your idols and how they speak and what they do and you kind of copy it, don't you? So um, that, I would say, is the hardest thing, the subjunctive form, but I'd, I'd put it in the who cares category because I certainly don't anymore. I've gone well past that. Yeah, well, that's good. Thank you. And yes. I think that'll help everybody else who's like, oh, no, especially those people who are like new to year six in September. Don't worry about it. It never comes up on the paper. And if they do, they always go for the easy option, which is just to put were. So if you see it, just put were. That's what I say. Yeah. I don't even go into the depth of it anymore because it's just, it's not worth that short-term memory, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, filling that it up with that. Thing. So then yeah. going there when it's like, we've got other things to worry about. I'd rather you be going to secondary school knowing how to multiply decimals accurately and things that will work in your life than the subjunctive form. We can get over that one, I think. Thank you. So okay. there, you've been told. You've been told. <laughs> right, should we have a look at some of the questions? Don't know how I'm going to do yeah. this. So... I feel like I've got a tan under these lights. Yeah. So who has said anything? Uh, I'm just having a look. So, Mrs. McTivity, that's Heather. Hello, Heather. Um, she said, I'd love to hear more about the Spelling League. Who is it for and why should we sign up? Okay, so the Spelling League is something we launched last year and it was just basically an attempt to produce something where children could practice uh, spellings online, a little bit like Times Tables Rockstars, who I think are absolutely wonderful. The guy who made that is a genius. We, we use that in our school and it's just our results have skyrocketed because of it. Um, and I just wanted something that had a similar kind of vibe Mm -hmm. So I remember asking the children, like, what do you want it to be about? Do you want it to be like a pop star thing? You... And they were like, no. Football, Which you football. were hoping for. I was hoping it would be like a Britney, Britney on it. Yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But no, it didn't work out, sadly. And they wanted <laughs> football instead. So I was like, great, the thing I hate the most will put that in there. So, um... I'm surprised you said that because obviously with it being the Spelling League, I thought, oh, you'd be into football. No. Yeah, I, I don't like football either. Hate it fashion. But we love it for the Spelling League. No, so it's basically, it's an online game where children hear the word and they have to talk type it and for each word they get right they get like coins and then you basically start off with a basic stadium which is just like a pitch and then from all the coins you can build seats you can build floodlights you can build a uh, change your kit you can upgrade stuff loads of different things so it's like a game but it's for spelling and it's just there to encourage the children to um, be more active with their spelling and want to do it more I mean look at the impact Times Tables Rockstars has had on Times Tables and if Again, it was created just so it would help children mm. get better at that because everywhere I go, they say, do you know what? We've got grammar down to a T, grammar's great. They get this, yeah. they're getting these marks, but they can't spell yeah. and they can't do yeah. this, they can't yeah. do that. And I just thought, well, maybe it's a way to get into that. And I guess and it's support. probably a really good thing to do for homework as well. Well, yeah, it's. I think if they feel like they're not learning, then they're more likely to do it. I mean, the amount of children we've had at school who are say, um, the parents come in and say, well, they've been up until three o'clock last night on Time Tables Rock Stars. I'd rather them come and say that yeah. than they've been up all night watching TV. Yeah, yeah. Or on, um, what's it called? Call of Duty or something. Yeah. yeah, so at least they're doing something educational. I'd rather them be asleep, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is that. <laughs> that would help. Okay, so um, also the links that you've mentioned, we'll, we'll make sure that we put them in the show notes on the podcast so everyone can okay, yeah. know what you're talking about. So Jules Bedford said it's fascinating to hear your background. Oh, thank you. Um, Stuart Tiffany says, 2016 was hideous for writing moderation, and he remembers it well, sadly. Yes, it was an awful time. 
So she also says, um, with this level, I wish this level of support for staff was standard at all schools. Really refreshing to hear. So yeah, um. and it's what I said as well. Jill says, uh, that's my mum, by the way. Hello, Jill. Um, she loves your co- comments on the community, Mitch. It's so true. And yeah. Yeah, the school is a community. Well. And you, you have to go into it believing that, I think. Um, do you want to move up to Bradford because um, Heather wants you to teach her kids? Okay. Yeah, sure. Next week. <laughs> Louise said, it sounds like you've turned things around with writing really quickly in the schools. Um, Louise actually works with us. Yeah. And um, she says, what would you say has been the key to this success? In terms of? That's very generic. Louise, in terms of? The success of? Uh, Cameron just says, what an amazing teacher you are. Lovely exclamation sentence. Again, one thing I'm happy left the writing. Yeah, I won't tell you that she didn't start with the capital, but you know. Yeah. Ah, another just absolute farce exclamation sentence. So, how many hours do you work a week? And obviously, you, you've got aspirations to be a head teacher, which you mentioned. Yeah. Do you see that improving? Um, it depends on the time of year, 100%. This mm-hmm. last week it was over seventy, hundred percent, but it's because of reports, mm-hmm. uh, parents' evening with sports day, uh, NQT reports had to be. So it's one of those times of years when you just mm-hmm. you have to put the hours in. You have to. There are times of year when you just think it's really quiet and it goes really quickly. But I'd say on average it's it's always over fifty, definitely. Yeah. And I count Sunday as a work day. Yeah. So Saturday is my day off. Sunday's work day so yeah that's my generic do I see it improving well that's down to uh, yourself as a head teacher really I think that you have to set an example and I really don't think that you can do the job if you come in uh, at the exact minute you're meant to start and then leave at the exact minute you can leave I, I think that's yeah. kind of impossible to be honest if somebody can do that and they're doing a great job, please hit me up because I'd love to know because I, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, but at the same time, I think that a head teacher has to be very open. As long as you're doing your job, it, it shouldn't really matter uh, because I know that some people, if they leave early, they feel like they're, they're being naughty or they feel like they have to ask, yeah. and that that's never the case. I know that um, a lot of the staff in our school have come up to me and said, oh, I'd like to go to my child's uh, Mm-hmm. assembly or to sports day and like they asked me i'm like why are you even asking me like you would never have to ask me for that permission like we have to fill in a form because we have to get cover and all that stuff because that's just yeah. what you have to do but, but they want I, to I know, check you're okay with yeah it. but i know that when i'm ahead and, and my head's the same she will let the people go to anything and you have to because at the end of the day our school's about children mm. and if we don't let p- teachers who are also parents have time with their children then we're just absolutely destroying the system, aren't we? I think actually quite a few teachers do come to us for that flexibility as well because yeah. it's not really possible in a lot of schools. It's it's really hard and to get some, a part-time position is really rare and people aren't the biggest fan of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand both sides of the coin because yeah. head teachers are under immense pressure to, yeah. you know, get results, to get where they're meant to get. But I think if you get too bogged down in that, you forget about actually why you're really there. And what matters more than anything is that the teachers come to work and be like, do you know what? I love coming to work here because I feel like I can speak to people. I feel like I'm given the time. And that's how I felt in my first school. And that's why I loved it so much. That's why people won't leave there. And I'm hoping that that's what we're building at our current school because that 
means more to me than anything else. It yeah. really does. So you just mentioned on a bad week you'll do 70 hours, yeah. maybe more. In the summer holidays, how much time will you have off? Uh, see, I'm funny. Ever since I was a child and my mum would stand by this, I hated the summer holidays and I still do now. I enjoy it for about three days and then get intensely bored and want to go back to work. It's hard going from being so someone that people rely on so much, like children, adults, mm. constantly coming to you, I need this, I need this. I live by myself with my dog and my two cats. And so to go from that to that, it's, just, it's yeah. bizarre. And I don't really like it. Um, I, I take the middle section off. I'm back in for the last week or so to get prepared I don't really go in at the very end, but that's because for the past few years I've, I've been doing a course where I'm down um, at Loughborough University or, or Covent, Warwick University in Coventry doing things there. So that's why I haven't been doing that more recently. But I think if you do one or the other, I mean, we have to get classrooms ready. Yeah, That's yeah, part yeah. and parcel of it. There's no way you can roll in on September 3rd and just be like, right, displays up, let's go. It's impossible. No, no. But what I try and promote with our team, and that's what we're going to do this year, is that we're going to go around as a team and say, right, what colour do you want there? And everyone just put the display paper in one room together, 10 of you. It'll take seconds. That's Next a really room, good idea. And it just, it's so much faster. That. And the, the point is you're thinking about that. You're yeah. thinking about how can we make it faster yeah. for everybody. Yeah. That's. I wish everybody would take something away from that now. Yeah. Yeah. That, it would be handy. Actually, I think I'm just going to like book you again and just like tell us all your tips <laughs> so you can share them with everyone. Yeah, go for it. Because that would it could take you a week. Yeah. To do your displays. Oh God, I've been in a. I remember I spent twelve days doing my classroom when I first went to Telford, but that's because I'm ridiculous and I wanted to turn my set of trays into the Titanic, and I did, and I posted it on. I think there's a, there's a Facebook page that has loads of followers, like Classroom Displays or something, mm. and it got shared in thousands of likes. I was like, oh, my God, I was so over the moon, and the kids absolutely loved it. I mean, they're impressed for about three weeks, and then they're like, oh, it's just our trays now. Um, but it made the room so special, and I wanted to do that. I wouldn't ever do it again. Yeah. But I've done it once, and so yeah, that's you, all that matters. You've still got the pictures, and that's the main yeah, thing. Yeah, it yeah. It was a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you, um, if you could wave a magic wand... How would you fix the life-work balance problem for teachers? Um, I think, see, my answer at this at the same time is quite hypocritical because I think the problem is that everybody thinks they're an expert in this field and that people are saying, do this, do that. We have to do this. We need to go to yoga. We need to do that. And it's that that makes it worse sometimes. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is just listen to people. Like, people work at different rates. I am ridiculous. If somebody said to me, you need to go home at four o'clock and you need to do this, I'd be like, you're stressing me out even more because yeah. I want to stay and get this done. If a teacher wants to do that, let them. Mm. If a teacher wants to do it on the weekend, let them. What matters is what we're doing has a purpose and it has a reason for it. If it's lost its impact and its purpose, it needs to be reviewed and staff need to have the, the trust, there needs to be such a trust between SRT and staff that they can say, why are we doing this anymore? It's stupid. Yeah, they're allowed and, to challenge it. Yeah, challenge it. And if SRT are brave enough to say, yeah, you're right, let's get, get rid of it, that is the biggest life-work balance 
you know push you can ever have yeah. because it shows that you're being listened to we can't ever get rid of reports we can't ever get rid of doing sports so we can't ever get rid of doing half the things we have to do but do you know what we do reports because parents need to know about how their children are getting on we do sports though because it's amazing for the children to excel mm. at things that they don't normally do we do these things for a reason if we're filling in a piece of paper and it has no impact other than some random thing that it really doesn't, you know, impact on them. Why are we doing it? And I think the sooner people can say, can we review this, the better. And that's what we've done with our marking policy. Our marking policy came totally from the teachers. And it went, uh, we've been on it four weeks. And the teachers originally wanted to put I for independent and WS for with support. Came from them. I was like, you're going to regret this in four weeks time because I've been at a school that did that. And you'll forget, children will forget. And then you've got to go back and do it again. Four weeks later, yeah, we agree, that's stupid, let's go back. But I didn't say, no, we're not doing that. I yeah. let them discover that sometimes you, you have you to let say them try it. Yeah. But the point is... We let them try. Yeah, and and they know that you'll listen to them and yeah. let them try something. Yeah. And I think I think that's gold because yeah. this is not the same story. I think, you know, your school is obviously not one of the thousands, is it? It's no. one of the few. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we know that you're really good at teaching grammar, but which subjects do you find quite difficult to teach and why? Well, this isn't a good reason, but the re- uh, I'd say it's probably uh, music and I find it quite hard to teach art. I'm really quite good at art myself. I did A-level art, but I find it really hard to teach it because sometimes it's like, I don't understand why you can't draw it like I've just drawn it. Yeah, yeah. I don't see that. And yeah. it's about the skills progressing. Um, I'm not very good at teaching music, especially instruments, but that is down to I have been pigeonholed in Satchi groups forever. Yeah, yeah. Except for my first two years of teaching. And I think that when you are there, you just don't get that opportunity to do that. So as a teacher, I've never developed the skills of how to teach music well. Um, And it's something that I'm so glad that Ofsted are finally saying, no, do you know what, this isn't good enough. Because... In our schools, we will have the musicians and the pop stars and the rock stars of the future. Yeah. But we may be missing out on people because we don't give them that opportunity. Yeah. And they only sometimes get it until they go and do music in secondary school. Yeah, Just what about if their music department wasn't very good or something happened? I mean, you're missing yeah. out on opportunities. Or if the, yeah. teachers, uh, if the parents can afford it and a lot of children's exactly. parents can't afford it. Yeah. Because it's not cheap, is it, yeah. to do music lessons? Definitely. Um, so obviously you've got your role as a teacher. And you do have Grammasaurus as well. Yeah. Um, what have you learned in teaching that you feel has helped you in the business? Um, I've learned that teachers... I used to think over-communication was bad. I used to think if you were constantly saying the same thing, then that's bad because you haven't got your message across. Like I was so... like That was proper in my head when I first started teaching. But I've realised that actually over-communication is the key to everything and anything. If you keep things simple and over-communicate that simple message, but it's effective, you're going to have a turnover of positive things. Cut away, because you were talking before the interview about initiative, initiative, initiative. When it's initiative overdrive, it destroys things. Yeah. And that's what I've learned about teachers doing this job that uh, for the, the business, that they don't like over-complicated writing assessment systems or over-complicated um, assessments for grammar or anything like that. They're just like it's simple but effective and that it's just a clear message that's over-communicated. The breakdown of all relationships comes down to communication half of the time. 
And if you can just over-communicate that very simple thing of this is how it works, this is how we're going to do it, you've agreed it, you see the reasons why, mm. let's all sing from the same hinge sheet constantly, yeah. then I think it becomes effective. So do you feel it's more like, so uh, just to cl- clarify before the interview, I was saying, you know, some schools are in, it was like this staff meeting, right, we're doing this, and then the yeah. next week we're like, now we're doing this and nothing got taken away. Yeah. So if you was implementing something, would you kind of like cover it and then and then come back to it and come back to I it? I don't think that I've mastered that in my business because I don't dedicate, because of the amount of time I dedicate to my career, I don't dedicate it to Grammasaurus as much. I think that we try and develop our products all the time. We look at, oh, let's do our re-resources, let's do this, because we think that that's what people want. But time and time again, our downloads always come from the same writing resources, grammar resources, because that's why people joined Grammar Source in the first place. Yeah. And our model text, And that's what they need you for. Yeah. And the model text, I'd say, is where our gold dust is, really, because they're written by writing moderators Mm -hmm. and they're to the standard. And that is so hard to find. I remember one year... um, when primary resources, I used to go on it to find model text all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I used the Panda, I'm sure other people have used this, the Panda non-chronological report with year five or something. And then I saw it being used in year two. That's because there wasn't an example for year five and an example for year two. Yeah. So everyone was saying, this is how you should write. And I just thought, wow, like we do not have model text available. No, no. The government haven't said, this is what it should be like in year four. They've just given you a checklist. But what does that look like for a child? Yeah. People don't really know. And companies are coming out like, um, I think it's no more marking when they do the assessment across different year groups to say in year four this is what we think is expected but it's still not very clear that this is exactly what expected is Mm. so i think that again that's what we're known for and that's what's popular we have so many science resources and i use grammasaurus for science because as a teacher for science i still go there over anywhere else download it but barely anybody else does yet we've got i think some of the best science resources about which is because people just know you for one thing and i think they're trusting that sometimes they won't now well now they will know about your science resources i genuinely think they're pretty good to be fair because they have the investigations and everything included already Um, right so this question is actually from janine and sean at classroom secrets because i did ask them you know have you got um any questions from it and they both wanted to know where you get the inspiration for your songs from Okay, so as I mentioned in the live part of the video, uh, I spent a lot of time driving from place to place. Now, Mm -hmm. my mum never, ever took me on holiday in this country. We've always been abroad. So I've been to places I've never been to before. I did not realise how far Newcastle and Middlesbrough are away from Birmingham. Well, Telford, it's even further, but it's far. So when it was, you know, those Thursday nights and I'm setting off at seven o'clock and it says, you'll get there just before midnight. Oh, God. Um, I think, (laughs) okay, well, I need to pass the time. And at school... Like I said again in the live video, I was told you sing and dance too much. Now, I didn't realise, I just have done this naturally, but we've done a lot of research in our school at the minute into Rose and Shine's principles of instruction. And he talks about doing daily, weekly and monthly review. Now, I've always done that, but not through the methods I think he was suggesting. I've done that always through song. Mm -hmm. So whether it be a rap to learn the um, equivalence between 0.2, one fifth, 20%, 20%, whether it be the different subordinate conjunctions. I used to just randomly rap and sing things with my class and we'd do it daily so they would never forget it. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and then it came to teaching my class about the past simple tense. And for some reason, I I love lots of random music. I was listening to Bonnie Tyler and I just thought, turn around in, um, I can't think of the song, Totally Clips of the Heart, turn Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. Sounded like past simple. So I was like, okay. And I played the song and tried to sing a version of it to the children that was about the tense. And they were like, oh, that's really good. Started clapping. And then some came back at me about time said, oh, this bit would fit as well. So, oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And we wrote that first song together and it's still on the YouTube channel now. And it's so funny because everybody really knows how to do the past simple tense. It's only very small children that will say eat it instead of ate and things like that. Yeah. But um, I just love the fact that it was made by the children and myself. So then from that, it was kind of my mission that I would always go somewhere. And they would say, Mr. Hudson, try and do one to Britney Spears because they knew I loved her. And after I got Grammasaurus up and running, I went to uh, fly out and watch her in Las Vegas. So they were like, do one about her because you can sing it to her. I was like, I don't think she'll listen, but I'll have a go. So on the, <laughs> on the way, I was trying for ages, couldn't figure one out. And I was like, I give up now. And I just pressed skip and the Venga Bus came on, uh, Venga Boys. And I started singing along to that, being like, oh, Although after us, when if, and it just literally came from that drive. So my friend Vicky, shout out to Vicky, a year six teacher down in Suffolk. She, she's kind of my guinea pig because I used to re- send through my Siri a recording. I'd sing it to Siri, and then it'd be sent to her on WhatsApp. And I was just doing it all the way to this place in Newcastle by the end of it I'd got there and I'd written the song and so yeah, you'd yeah. think I'd want to go to bed after teaching all day and drive for five hours but she stayed up and typed the lyrics oh. on my iPad sang it to the karaoke version I was like yeah this is amazing and then sent it um to my a, a singer I've got called Alison McGuigan she's sung all the songs and she just did it for me and I was like this is absolutely amazing and to this day this is our, that's our most popular song to the point the Venga boys have actually seen uh, children at Biker I think it's Biker Grove Primary School they've seen them perform it and they retweeted it and they're like this is amazing and that was like the best day of my life because you know yeah. growing up in the mid 90s Venga boys were, just, were you like I wrote it I wrote yeah, it it was amazing so yeah that's where the songs come from it's literally just me being an idiot since I've been little I've always sung random lyrics to different songs yeah. my mum used to do the same to Britney Spears oops I did again in the car we used to sing different words do it all the time yeah. Yeah. so that's where it comes from just me being a bit of an idiot yeah. and being bored well I think we actually do that so maybe um, I'll have to figure out what I know. Yeah, (laughs) why not? Wow, thank you. Um, Right, quick fire now. Um, Quick fire questions. So, who was your favourite teacher and why? Miss Capewell, uh, English teacher, because she inspired me to just be the very best. Good. Um, What do you wish you'd known when you first started out in teaching? That... My God, the hours are much longer than you think they'll be and you'll get grey hair really fast just like your dad has done. Yeah, that is true. Is you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the three biggest changes you've seen during your time in education? Uh, the new SATS papers. What are they doing to the reading paper? Let's just make it harder. I'll tell you what next year, why don't we read Wuthering Heights for an hour and then ask 70 questions about it and you have to answer it in an hour. Off you go. I saw that. Because that's what I feel like it's getting to. It's ridiculous. So the reading paper becoming a monstrosity and getting worse. Did they add something like 800 words or something like that? Yeah, and they didn't change the time and they just made the questions harder and harder and they Mm. hide things in the paper. I'm really not a fan. So how they've changed the SATS papers, the introduction of the grammar paper, because that didn't exist before, 
and uh, Life Without Levels, which at first I was like, this is exciting because everyone's at an even keel mm. and no one can say you don't know anymore because everyone was brand new. Yeah. So it, I'd only been teaching for two years and they went. But in a way, I wish they'd come back because I used to love APP, highlighting my little grid. Yeah, yeah. I knew it so well, I'd be like, four seconds, four bit. Three out, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I suppose in a way, it, it was an easy way to tell where oh, children knew. were. Like yeah. teachers could open a book they and They knew go, what it meant. That's a three bit. Everyone knew. Yeah. Literally everyone knew. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's bring back levels. Yeah. Um, so where do you think education needs to go in the next 10 years? Well, for it to go where it needs to go, it requires a lot more funding. We are so behind the times in terms of, you know, having modern classrooms mm. there are still schools out there that have such atrocious ict facilities and how can we have businesses that are creating drones and software apps and things like that and you know our children should be learning how to do that in school so that we can better prepare the country to be a leader in that field and yet they only get to do it at university and at selected colleges yeah. and actually primary school like, we haven't got enough whiteboard pens. We've got old tables. We've got old yeah. carpets. It's like, what What are we doing? Mm. So, really, education just needs investment. And I would love for secondary and primary to sit down together and tie up our curriculums because there's such a gap between year six, year seven, year eight that it's ridiculous. Yeah. It goes from really high stakes to getting a like a random bit in the middle to really high stakes again in year nine going on to year ten. Yeah. And I just I don't think the the marrying up is there. Yeah, I love that. You're right. It's almost like it's been written by people who think they know about primary and written mm. by people who think they know about secondary and there's been no communication going on. And the thing is, um, we have teachers, English teachers in secondary schools who, you know, they know their curriculum inside out, but they would never call this phrase an expanded name phrase. And yet it's been drummed into the children year after year. Mm. And what happens when you don't revisit something? You lose it out of your long-term memory, yeah, yeah, you just do. like languages at school. So what was the point in the first what place? The never doing it. It. And that sounds ridiculous because that would put me out of business if we got rid of the grammar. But you know what? If you would make teaching and learning better for the children and actually improve results across the country, I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Because it's not fair that it's like, do this, but then you don't need it. And it's as, ridiculous. you know, I actually came from a secondary background and it always used to be, oh, they're not where they, um, they're not where they say they are when they yeah. come through in year seven. But actually, then I moved into primary and the, I think they're above where they sort of say they are and they just yeah. don't have the same expectations. It's, and if they're on the same page... You're comparing like black card to white card. It's like, you're not at this point. In, but yeah, we are. We think we are, but we don't know what your starting point is. Yeah. It's confusing. That's one great thing about being in an all-through school. The fact that I've sat down with our maths teachers and we teach how to find a percentage exactly the same way that they do. Yeah. And we've done it all the way back to year four now. So we know that our children going up to our secondary aren't going to suddenly go, oh, my God, well, we didn't do long multiplication like this and we didn't put the, we didn't exchange the tens over there. We did it here and yeah. everybody should have the same. Yeah. And why can't we do that for everything? In China, apparently, they all teach exactly the same thing at exactly the same hour. Like, this is how we do maths and this is how it's taught because this is how it's told it should be done. Yeah, yeah. In a way, we're giving too much or... Is autonomy the right Autonomy, yeah, I think to, so, yeah. To go for it. In a way, that's nice, but at the same time, we can mess it up so easily. This is it. And if a child um, moves a lot, oh God. it can be interesting. So, so where we are, um, so in North Halifax, they actually created a cluster because the children moved around so much yeah. and tried to kind of work a way to kind of do the similar things together. Some so if they moved, yeah, if they move from one school 
they would know what kind of things it already covered because you yeah. could you could cover it a different time of year exactly. and you could miss a whole and year of school. I think that's the real problem. I mean, with Ofsted moving to looking at the wider curriculum, the fact that primary schools are really allowed to say, right, well, in year three, we're going to do the Egyptians and year four, we're going to do the Tudors and then we're going to do these things and we're going to do that there. It's too much. Like mm. in secondary schools, it's very clearly set out that we choose this exam board, so we have to teach this, this, this and this. Mm. And they never change it. I went back to my old secondary school just on Friday and they had their history curriculum map up on the wall. Do you know what? They do exactly the same thing in year 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 that they did when I was there. Didn't they? So, but that means that the teachers are experts. They've yeah. got the right resources. They know yeah. what they need to do. So why? What, we don't have to keep changing it for the sake of, oh, let's just change it and make things different. Yeah. Like... Be an expert at teaching electricity so children get the best from it yeah. rather than, oh, well, I fancy doing it in year two now because I don't want to do it in year five anymore. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense. I completely agree. And um, somebody else I interviewed, uh, Mungo Shepherd from Ash Green Primary School, hmm. I, I talked to him about being in a school uh, for a long time and also the fact that um, some of the teachers will stay in uh, year groups. And I know that from visiting, but I always saw that as such a positive thing because... You know, the year four you know teacher was an day. expert yeah. Yeah. in teaching year four. And then exactly. she coached NQTs and she was just an expert. Mm. Whereas another school I taught in, you know, they used to move it every year and then they delete everything off the yeah. server. So it's you couldn't be shared. Yeah. And it's just What's like, it's What's just ruining somebody's now? life really, yeah. isn't it? It's the yeah. difference between 50 hours and 100 hours. Yeah, it yeah. is 100%. Um, right. So who's your inspiration within education? Well, I'm really for this isn't quick fire, sorry. <laughs> I'm really fortunate that I'm part of uh, the Ambition Institute, the Future Leaders yeah. Program. I've met some um, amazing head teachers and CEOs there who have transformed schools. To me, if you go into a failing school that's been failing for a long time and you manage to transform it, especially where it's in a disadvantaged area, so mm. you are really giving children the chance of life. Yeah, yeah. That just speaks volumes to me. So um, the course leader, Dr. James Lane, he has done that down in London and he's the most inspirational person to listen to. Um, I've learned so much from um, Luke Sparks and the head teacher at Dixon's Academy up in your way. Dixon's yeah. Academy is like yeah. really close to us. Yeah, Dixon's yeah, yeah, Academy. Yeah. They've got Dixon's Allerton. Jenny, I can't remember her surname sadly, but both of them, they came and uh, did some, um, they've done loads of things with us and they're just a real inspiration. And when they first started speaking about this practicing and stuff they do, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. We actually do it in our school now. And do you know what? It's risen standards in behavior. Yeah. It's risen standards in, um, like independent learning and you know attendance everything so it's people with real life stories that are on the floor doing it now mm -hmm. and, and those groups of people and my first head teacher Andrew Orgill he's the same he went into a satisfactory school now it was listed as one of the top 10 schools in um, the West Midlands wow. and again I've been really fortunate to work with a lady called Shivana Amir Baz who's done the same in um, one of the Prince Albert Community Trust schools in the centre of Birmingham mm -hmm. these are areas where if you don't provide these life chances, then these children really aren't going they to succeed. They don't get it, yeah. They're not going to get it. So individuals who do that are my biggest inspiration because they, God, they must put in the hours and the effort and they must just be so driven. And I've seen it firsthand. They all are so driven. And I would give anything to be an ounce of any of those people. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Okay. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, not a teacher at all. 
because my mum was a teacher and she used to do too many late nights. Uh, I wanted to be an author. And in, in a way, I have kind of done that a little bit yeah, because yeah, I've been yeah. able to write for the TES. Mm-hmm. I've written for TES Online and the uh, public publication, the, um, you know... The, the newspaper thing. Yeah, the yeah. magazine it was. Yeah. Um, and I've got people who are contacting me from Bloomsbury that want me to write a book about grammar and writing. And I've written loads of stories and things online. See, I'm not really in... I I do want to. It's a lot of commitment. But my biggest passion is writing, um, like, narrative pieces and things for children. I really enjoy that. So if I wanted to do it, I'd want to do something more like that. Can't you say to them, yes, I will do it. If you let me write a story. (laughs) Let me write stories and I'll do it in a story kind of way where I, like, point out I I didn't want to really do a teacher manual because... That can be a bit dry sometimes. Yeah. You could do it like like a set of books for each different like concept in yeah. grammar and like pull it out. Yeah, maybe that's the. And way. then you come back on as the your launch version of grammar. Yeah, the Mister Man, uh, the Mister Man version of grammar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be that many? Mm, Has he got like forty books or something? Yeah. Probably hundreds now. Last one. I'm sure everyone wants to know the answer to this. I'm not sure they do. You've already prepared this one. <laughs> so. Britney. Yeah, Britney. People must wonder why I go on about it so much. I speak about, If I go to an interview in a school, I will tell them something about Britney while I'm there. And if they don't take me, they'll be like, well, you're not the school for me, which you've got to accept me. <laughs> it's loving Britney. Um, I think Britney is so key to me. Britney Spears, this is, because... Is, are you, have you met her yet? I have met her. Oh, right. I was going to say, is this like, like the it number one goal? It's very short and very sweet. Uh, but in 2007, she went through a very difficult time. I went through a very difficult time. She is, to me, the epitome of a success story rising from the ashes to go from being a success to what happened to her to come back again. I think that's a message that should be shared with everyone. Mm. I've, I've shared it in so many assemblies with children. Like She literally was on top of the world. She had everything. Her yeah. life was destroyed and ruined from the paparazzi and everything. So to go from that... And then everything that happened, she nearly lost her children, all of that, to then come back. Yeah. And she had more number ones after that. Yeah. She had more uh, album sales, more concerts after that moment than she did before. I think that that is just a, a, such a message of hope and triumph that I think that anybody should be able to grasp onto that and say, do you know, that's really inspired me as well. Yeah. So that's why I have her tattooed on my wrist, her autograph. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. I so, never noticed that before. Yeah. Because I just feel like... Any day can be a bad day. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because I can listen to Britney Spears and she makes it right because she can get through that. If Britney can get through 2007, we can get through today. I love that. <laughs> what a brilliant way to finish yeah. the podcast. Why not? Amazing. That. Thank you so much. This has been, I just like, I'm going to carry on talking to you for like three hours after this. So. <laughs> but um, thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And I hope you found it both interesting and inspiring. I, for one, will be watching Mitch's career with interest over the next few years, and I have no doubt that he will continue to make an impact that is much bigger than his class and his school. I'm looking forward to interviewing him again. Shall we say 2022, Mitch, and see where you are then? I just wanted to give my thanks to Mitch once again. He travelled up to meet us halfway on a Sunday night, and that was really appreciated by both me and Ed, who came with me to film and record. For those of you that don't know, Ed is the other director of Classroom Secrets, and also my husband. The episode is live on YouTube as well, so don't forget to subscribe to our channel. If you have any suggestions for guests that you would like me to interview, let me know.
I've got a Facebook community called the Teachers Podcast Community and it'd be great to see you in there. You can find the link to this in the show notes. In the group, you can suggest guests and you can have input into the questions of the guests that I've already confirmed. I've got some great educational influencers and authors coming up, so I'd love to know who else you want to hear from. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and I'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review too. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.